Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. Today we are going to be breaking down the Thursday night football matchup from last night between the Bengals and the Jaguars. If you took my prediction and bet on it, I hope you made some money. If you took the Bengals to win, I am 4-0 to start the season on Thursday night football games. And we're going to dive right into it right away. Starting off with the Jaguars, who the op- their offense, they had some very good pass protection. And I would say solid to good run gaps. Overall, a solid run game. The defense for the Jags lacked true pressure on, the, on Joe Burrow. They had... It, it, quite frankly, it was just bad pressure and didn't really get to him that much. And they had some solid to good run defense. Uh, but the ma- main news for the Jaguars is that Trevor Lawrence looked really good in this matchup. I said leading up to this game that Trevor Lawrence looked better in his week three matchup than he had worked, looked all season. And he showed a lot of promise. I'm going to say that after watching the film, he played way better than his week three game. And I think that Trevor Lawrence has officially arrived in Jacksonville for the Jaguars. Now, I'm going to be honest. The Jags Jags fans, y'all should have won that game last night. And this is my this is one of my issues that I had voiced about or voiced concerns about on regards to Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. They are both rookies in the NFL. Urban Meyer, this is first time he's ever coached in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence, of course, first overall pick in this past year in this last draft. And Urban Meyer made a rookie coaching mistake. If you or if a team has the opportunity to go up three scores at halftime, you take a field goal. You never try and do the extra stuff. You never try and pull off a college style play to go up three touchdowns. The three scores will be good enough. If you do not remember, the Jaguars had the ball right before halftime with about a minute left. Is fourth and one at the Cincinnati Bengal one. And they went for it. They did a QB sneak. It did not work. And then the Bengals just ran out the time. Now... I will also say I get what Urban Meyer was kind of looking at. You know, they'll be at the one if they, they're they stopped, maybe the two, but, and maybe you'll get the Bengals, or you'll be able to get the Bengals in for safety, which would then put them up three scores. Or actually, no, it'd only be two still, because then they would go up to 16. But the issue is that, you, you can't guarantee that. You take the guaranteed in football. If you can guarantee 
every time going down the field that you're going to kick a field goal and your defense is going to stop a team at least once and hold them to no points. You're, you're going to take that field goal every time. And Urban Meyer, I think, tried getting a little cute with it, tried showing that he wanted to get three touch, or a three-touchdown lead before halftime. But honestly, if you get three scores, most of the time you're winning those games because then you can kind of control the clock, which in the first half, the Jaguars' offense had ran the ball um, very well. James Robinson had a good amount of yards. He was getting through run or through gaps on the offensive line. The gaps were really large for him as well. And Trevor Lawrence was able to run for a couple first downs. So Urban Meyer messed up by not taking that field goal. And you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but if he takes that field goal for one. This game goes to overtime based on how the points are situated thus far through because the Bengals won 24-21. It would have gone to overtime, which it's easy to say that, but we all know that if the Jaguars kick that field goal, for all we know, the Bengals don't even, like everything changes in the game. Everything, all the whole approach for the Bengals would change. That being said, you can't miss your opportunity to go up three scores. And I feel as though Urban Meyer will now learn from that, hopefully. But this is where I was concerned with Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence being together on the Jags is the fact that Urban Meyer is going to have to learn how to be an NFL coach. He's a, he was a tremendous college coach. But he needs to learn how to be an NFL coach. In the NFL, you have the opportunity of three scores, you take it. And while that's happening, Trevor Lawrence has to learn how to be an NFL quarterback. And when you have a coach and a quarterback both trying to learn their position, it can definitely cause a lot of issues. And I did not as... If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, if you, I know that a lot of you have. If you haven't, though, I didn't have the Jaguars getting to six wins this season. And this is a real big reason why. Because there's going to be a learning curve for Urban Meyer, and then there's going to be a learning curve for Trevor Lawrence. That being said, Trevor Lawrence definitely looks like he is learning and picking up the speed i mean week one week two i had just ragged about how bad he had been looking week three he statistically did not look good because he had two interceptions and a fumble but film wise looked good and week four he looked really good if not for a coaching mistake I think the Jaguars would have won that game. And that's why I said on uh, Wednesday that, you know, Jaguars-Bengals uh, game, this is going to be a close matchup. The Bengals would win by no more than, like, seven points. Now, getting over to the Bengals, the Bengals, their offense 
had good pass protection for Joe Burrow. And I've been shocked at how good the pass protection has been for Joe Burrow this season, seeing as myself and everyone in media and pretty much anyone who watches football saw how much Joe Burrow got sacked last year and how much pressure he had on him. And it seems like this year, while the uh, pass protection isn't amazing, it's been pretty good for Joe Burrow. He's not seeing ghosts around his ankles like how Carson Palmer saw ghosts after his ACL injury. He he looks like an elite-level quarterback right now. And Jamar Chase definitely proving that he was the right pick for the Bengals in this past draft. Uh, the, the team had really good pass protection. They did. They only had like poor to okay run gaps. Uh, the run game overall was okay. They started off first half very poor. Very poor run game. And then it got okay to solid in the second half. And that's why I'm saying poor to okay run gaps. Um, the defense did not have a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. And when they started getting pressure on T. Lawrence, they didn't get to the quarterback. They applied it, but he was able to escape it, extend the play, and usually get the ball out or run for a couple of yards. The coverage was solid, though, for the Bengals, a team that was coming into this game dealing with some some injuries at the the cornerback positions, such as uh, Sadobi Awuzu. I totally butchered his name right there, and I... Sorry about that. I normally am okay at pronouncing his name, but then also Jesse Bates was also injured in this matchup. Uh, did not have T. Higgins at wide receiver, and then even at linebacker Marcus or uh, Xavier. Wait, that sorry guard position Xavier Suafilo or Philo. Totally butchered his name as well, but he. <laughs> He was out of this game as well, and I was really shocked at how well this team performed in this game. Granted, the Jaguars are not world beaters, but the coverage stepped up without two starters on their, or in the lineup. And then the O-line, like I said, looked very good for the Bengals, missing a guard at the position. Um... Now, I will say this, that, like I said before, the, the Bengals are very fortunate that Urban Meyer is learning as a NFL head coach because any other NFL head coach is not going for it there on fourth and one. They aren't going to get cute. While fans might throw backlash and say, oh, why don't you go for this at the time? It makes sense to go up three scores. And anyone could agree with me on that because going up being up three scores will always be better than being up two scores in any game. But the Bengals definitely looking good. They're sitting at three and one. And the Jaguars since last season are now 0 and twenty 
which is the only the third time in NFL history that that has happened, which is really kind of a crazy stat that they are 0-20. They started off looking pretty promising last year, beating the Houston Texans week one uh, when the Texans had Deshaun Watson at quarterback and just never won another game last season. Went 1-15 and and thus far this season didn't start off too hot and they definitely have a hard schedule ahead of them. But at least things are looking on the up and up at the quarterback position for them. And I'm not saying that Trevor Lawrence is perfect yet. He still has learning to do, but the future does look promising as of right now. With all that being said, we are going to take a short commercial break. When we return, we will be talking about NFL game predictions for this Sunday. When we return after this. Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. We're going to dive right into the week four weekend predictions, starting off with the Washington football team at the Atlanta Falcons. And this is a game that I am incredibly conflicted on. As a Falcon fan, I know what the Falcons are capable of doing. But at the same time, I also know what they're capable of doing. If that makes sense. I know that they're capable of doing something great. But I also know that they're capable of doing something great and then choking. And... The Falcons right now are heading into the game. Russell Gage, the wide receiver, is out. Marlon Davidson is out for the Washington football team. As of right now, Benjamin St. Just, the the defensive back for Washington, is out. And Antonio Gibson is questionable at the moment. And as of right now, I am, I'm going to take, uh, this is hard. I'm going to take Washington only if Antonio Gibson is playing in the game. If he's not, I'm taking the Falcons. So as of right now, Gibson is questionable with his shin injury. I think he'll play. And if he does, I think that the Washington offense will be too much for the Falcons. And because of that, I do think that they'll be able to win the game. Adding to that, the Falcons do struggle at the offensive line position. And Washington's defensive front, while they have not been incredibly productive this year, I think do have the opportunity to make some plays against the Falcons. And I know last week I said how the Falcons could go on a six-game win streak, and I still believe that, but at the same time, the Falcons shouldn't have won last week. They, The better team lost last week in the Giants. I would just say that heading into this game, this is probably one of the scarier games for me to predict. 
But as of right now, I'm picking Washington. Texans at the Bills. I'm going to make this one really fast. The Bills are going to win this game. The Texans are without Danny Amendola, Scotty Phillips, and of course, Deshaun Watson will not play at all this season. I'm 100% certain of that. Terrence Mitchell is questionable, and Garrett Wallow is questionable as well. The Bills have... Jordan Poyer and John Flincho or Fliancio out. And then they have Tyrone Johnson, questionable, and F.A. Obawaba out, or questionable as well. And I could have just pronounced or butchered his name. And if I did, I am sorry. But that's an easy prediction, in my opinion. It's the Bills at home. Texans traveling across country to Bills Mafia. I I have the Bills winning this game pretty handedly. Now the Lions at the Bears. This is a going to be a sneaky good game in my opinion. As of right now, we don't know if Andy Dalton or Justin Fields will be starting. Andy Dalton was listed as questionable for the game. And Justin Fields, while having a injury to his thumb on his throwing hand, I know for a fact will be able to go this Sunday. Um, I would normally probably take the, the Lions in this game because the Lions have shown a lot of fight. The whole issue I have right now with the Lions heading into this game is that the Lions, who have Jared Goff on their team, small-handed Jared Goff, as I've talked about in the past, will have to be playing in the rain in Chicago. And week two, we all know how I felt about the Lions playing the Packers. I said that it would be a close game. And then it started raining in Green Bay. And it kind of got out of hand. Literally for Jared Goff. (laughs) But I don't feel comfortable with taking the Lions in the rain with Jared Goff at quarterback. I don't feel comfortable with the Bears quarterback situation as of right now if Justin Fields is starting. Only because Matt Nagy did nothing to help him in his first start. And if Andy Dalton is starting, I think that Dalton will be able to make more plays. Adding to that, that Bears defense coming at uh, Jared Goff will definitely cause a lot of issues for him. So I am taking the Bears in that matchup. Now the Panthers going to Dallas to face the Cowboys. The Panthers, who are on like a mini bye week because they played thir- the Thursday night football game last week, are heading in to Dallas, fa- and the Dallas Cowboys will be we- without the uh, defensive end Armstrong Neski, the tackle, uh, Watkins, defensive end, who's out as well, and Donovan Wilson who will also be out at safety. 
while the Panthers have Yeti Gross Matos, who is doubtful as of right now, and Christian McCaffrey is, of course, out for that game. And this game, of course, it's a 3-0 team versus a 2-1 team. But I think the Panthers are going to lose their first game this season. I trust Dak and that offense and Dan Quinn way more than I trust the Panthers team in general. I like what Sam Darnold's doing. I'm not sure if he'll be able to do everything that he's been able to do against the the Cowboy defense who have been playing very fast, very physical, kind of like how the Falcons played in 2017, the 2017 season, which they didn't have on paper a great defense, but they did have a scary fast defense that teams still were very aware of and they had to be cautious with because if you recall first game in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Packers came in to face the Falcons week two and Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, the entire Falcons team just tore up, made Aaron Rodgers' life a living hell in week two of that season. And it's because of how much speed they have. And that's kind of why I feel like the Dan Quinn's trying to bring to the Cowboys. And on offense, the Cowboys' offense speaks for itself. Scary good. Uh, Zeke, is, while not being the best running back on his team, is an amazing pass blocker when he's in. And for that reason, I'm going to take the Cowboys in that matchup. Then, going over to the next game, which is the Colts at the Dolphins. This is another game that makes me very nervous because I'm favoring the Colts. I'm going to be honest right away. I'm favoring the Colts heading into this matchup. Now, reason why that scares me, Quentin Nelson's out. Whitney Payne is out. Uh, Brandon Smith is out. Uh, Kari Wilson is out. Rocky Asin is out. And there's a bunch of players who are questionable, including Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz. Now, I think that Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor both will play. And if Carson Wentz is out, I am going to say the Colts lose this game. But the Dolphins are also, also dealing with some injuries at, say, the, the center guard position in Michael Dieter. And then, I mean, the, the main issue for me in this game is I've said before, prior to last week, I said that the Dolphins had probably the scariest defensive back group in the NFL. They were amazing. They were playing lights out. And then in week three, they really struggled. They were an incredibly porous team. And that's scary for me to pick the Dolphins. But then looking at the Colts, who will be out or will not have two, uh, well, a center or a tackle and a guard. 
and be out or don't not have Whitney Payton and Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz being both questionable. It it's a very scary game for me. I am going to take the Colts in this game as long as Carson Wentz and Jonathan Taylor are playing. If Jonathan Taylor's out, I'm going to say it's a throw-up game. It could go either way. If Carson Wentz is out, I'm saying the Colts are losing. There, of course, I said before the season, as you all know, that I am very high on Carson Wentz this season. And while he hasn't looked great, he still has been consistently average to good. And I'm not saying that Jacoby Brissett has looked bad, but Jacoby Brissett is very well known by the Colts. They know what he likes to do. And that makes me nervous. So I'm going to take the Colts in that matchup. Then going to the Colts, or not the Colts, the Browns and the Vikings. This is going to be a good game. The Browns, who had a a nice win in week three, but a win that I feel as though they should have won by more, only because of how poorly the Bears' offense was playing. They will be without Chris Hubbard and Greg Newsom the second. And then they have J.C. Treader and Jedrick Wills Jr. who are questionable. The Vikings will be without Irmir Smith-Marset. I definitely butchered his name. Sorry. Uh, Dalvin Cook is questionable and... Then Anthony Barr is questionable, and Chris Boyd is also questionable. Oh, and Michael Pierce. I did not see him at the bottom of their injury report. But this game is definitely a scary game, and the reason is it is in Minnesota. They just destroyed the Seahawks in or at their home field without Dalvin Cook. You know, Kirk Cousins has been balling out this season, performing at a higher level than I think anyone would have thought he would have. And uh, I'm this is another game that's like a hard one for me to pick. I think I'm going to go with the Browns only because the Browns do have a bit of a super team in my eyes. Yes, they're without Jarvis Landry this week again. But I I just trust the Browns to be able to win this game more than I trust the Vikings. I wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings won this game. After how big of a thumping they put on the Seahawks in Week 3, I wouldn't be shocked if they ran it down the Browns' throat this week. But I would also say that the Browns have a better defense than the Seahawks, and because of that, I think they'll be able to stop and control the line of scrimmage a little bit better. So in this matchup, I am going to take the Browns. Then the Giants are at the Saints. This game is a game that I'm nearly certain that the Saints will win. I'm going to make that very clear. They will be without Eric McCoy and Tyrone Armstead, two 
pinnacle pieces at the O-line position for the Saints. And while the Saints might protect or struggle to protect Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill a little bit more, I can say that the Giants will be struggling tremendously against the Saints defense as they will be without Ben Breedson, their guard, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton at the wide receiver position. And because of that alone, I mean, Sterling Shepard is easily Daniel Jones' favorite wide receiver on the team right now. And the fact that he won't have him, I'm going to take the Saints to win this matchup at home. First time being back at in Louisiana, in New Orleans, to play a game this season because of all the hurricane difficulties. And I feel like that crowd is going to be rocking, going to be cheering on their Saints. And for that reason as well, I'm taking the Saints. Titans at Jets. I'm making this incredibly quick. AJ Brown's out. Julio Jones is out. I do not care because the Jets are a dumpster fire of a franchise right now. More than any other team that I thought would have been this season. I mean, I thought the Lions and the Texans were going to look bad this season. Jesus Christ. The the Jets just look awful. And I'm sorry, Jets fans. Like, I'm not trying to crap on your team. But you guys... You, you guys' uh, team is pretty bad right now. Titans will be without AJ Brown, Bud Dupree, Caleb Farley, Julio Jones, Laurel Merchanis, uh, Brett Kern, while the Jets will be without Marcus May, Elijah Moore, Jeff Smith, Jamison Crowder is still questionable, Tyler Croft is questionable, and then Michael P. Ryan is questionable. So, Pretty much their entire offense is questionable or out, and one of their best defenders is out. And because of that, I don't care how many people the Titans were playing. I don't care if you or me were out playing at quarterback for the Titans. The Titans are winning this game because even if we had to go in at quarterback for the Titans, we would just hand it off to Derrick Henry and let him go get 450 yards in that game. So Titans win that game. Then uh, we're going over to Kansas City for or at the Philadelphia Eagles. And this one I'm going to try and make quick. I'm going to take the Chiefs. Uh, I don't see the Chiefs dropping to 1-3. and three. That is like the big. That would be the, the largest reason why I feel as though the Chiefs are gonna win. I feel like the Chiefs could easily, if they just didn't turn over the ball as much, could easily be three and zero. I mean the Ravens game. Uh, Edwards Alaire doesn't fumble. The Chiefs win that game. Last week, the Chiefs fumbled three or four times in Charger territory. They lose that game by less by less than a touchdown. The Chiefs could easily be three and out right now. And while I have been a little bit more impressed by Jalen Hurts this year, 
I will say that there have been a lot of plays where he could easily have just sat in the pocket for an extra second and there would have been a wide open wide receiver like Devontae Smith running down the field and he could just launch the ball to him, got an easy touchdown, but instead Jalen Hurts decided to take the ball and run with it and only gain like seven yards or get a first down, which not bad, still get a first down, but any team will tell you take the touchdown. Unless unless you're the 49ers last week. I would have said don't take the touchdown right away. Run the ball once. Run it once. That being said, we're going to go over to the Cardinals at the Rams. And this game, of course, being a divisional rivalry, should make for a very good game. The Rams only have two players questionable for the game, one being Daryl Henderson and the other one being Tutu Atwell. Meanwhile, the Cardinals will be without Eno Benjamin, who is the third-string running back. They have three players questionable in Justin Pugh, Justin Murray, and Kelvin Beecham. And as of right now, if I had to guess, Kelvin Beecham would probably be the only one that doesn't play. Maybe maybe, uh, Justin Murray won't play as well, but he was limited in practice on Friday or today. I, heading into this game, I'm going to take the Rams. I feel as though they are just way too overpowered for the Cardinals' defense to handle. If the Buccaneers struggled with the Rams, I think that the Cardinals definitely will. So I'm going to take the Rams to win that game. Now, Seahawks at the 49ers. This game is another, of course, divisional rivalry. And the 49ers heading into this game have Kevin Givens, Jamichael Hasty, and actually both of those two are the only two that are out. Elijah Mitchell is doubtful, though. Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, Javon Kinlaw, Emmanuel Monsley are all questionable. And then for the CLC Hawks, Rashad Penny, Brandon Shell, D. Eskridge are all out. And Benson Mayiwa is questionable as well. Now, this game is almost a throw up for me. I'm going to... I think I'm going to side with the 49ers only because they're at home. And I think that they're going to be pissed off that they lost in such a dramatic fashion to the Packers. Now, at the same time, the Seahawks will be pissed off as well since they kind of got the brakes beat off them by the Vikings. But... The whole issue I have with the Seahawks is the fact that Brandon Shell is an offensive lineman and a starter for the Seahawks, so Russell Wilson will have one less person defending him in the pocket, 
And I think Nick Bosa will have an easier time, of course, to get at him. I think that Eric Armstead will end up playing. He's dealing with an adductor injury, an adductor injury. I think I, I'm I'm gonna say that the 49ers win this by a field goal, just like how the Packers won this past game against the 49ers. Now the Ravens at the Broncos. This game, the Ravens are going across country to face the Broncos. As of right now, Ronnie Staley, Derek Wolf are out for the Ravens, and Graham Glasgow is out for the Broncos. I view the, and I'm going to say this as nicely as I can, I view the Broncos as kind of a fake 3-0 team. All the teams that they are fa- have faced have a combined record of 0-9. So, they're a good team, but they are just lucky that their schedule situated where they can fall 3-0. I think that they will lose to the Ravens. I think that they're going to struggle against Lamar Jackson. I don't think that they really have the capability to stop Lamar and I think that Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense will have adjusted and refocus on being able to run the ball and getting Lamar to be able to make plays. So Ravens win that game. Then the Steelers at the Packers. This one's going to be incredibly quick. I'm not even going to explain it that much. The Packers win this game. Uh, the Steelers have looked very vanilla on offense this year. And Ben Roethlisberger seems to be forcing some throws here and there. I don't like the way that the Steelers' offense has looked at all this season. I'm also going to say that even though T.J. Watt is back, it seems like T.J. Watt must be their entire defense because no one was able to get after the quarterback last week. So the Packers win that game at home and then we go over to probably the most interesting matchup i have personally seen i'm sure many will agree with me on this that a lot of us have seen in a while we see tom brady the best to ever do it heading back home to face the new england patriots and bill belichick and this game, while being interesting, it, I'm going to make this quick. The Buccaneers win this game. You know, some people will say, oh, well, you know, Tom Brady might be a little emotional to be able to see the stadium again. And kind of in his feels, I'm sure that the Patriots will kind of have a thank you, Tom Brady thing on the screen. But Tom Brady isn't going to want to lose that game at all. And neither is Bill Belichick, but no one, like Tom Brady actually plays, and no one's going to want to lose for Tom Brady. No one's going to want to mess up that game for Tom, which could make the Buccaneers a little tight, but the Buccaneers have so much talent on that side. The ball, as of right now, Rob Gronkowski's doubtful for the game, and Giovanni uh, Bernard Giovanni Bernard is out. And then for the Patriots, 
as of right now, James White is out, and then they have a bunch of players who are questionable. I just view this as a Buccaneers win, probably by double digits. I would say that the Buccaneers are probably going to win by at least two touchdowns. I think that the Buccaneers defense will be a little pissed off from not getting any pressure on Matthew Stafford last week. And because of that, they are going to try to bully Mac Jones this week. Now, the Monday night matchup, which is going to be another very good divisional matchup. The final game of the week, the Raiders taking on the Chargers. And a lot of people are breaking down the whole how it's predicted that 74% of SoFi Stadium will be the Raiders fans. Which I know I even mentioned. But for all those people, including myself, who like think like, oh, that's going to be like a big issue for the Chargers. Will it? It seems like every time the Chargers play it at home, there's more away fans than home fans. They're always playing away games. They never have a real home game. You know, they, they really don't. So... In that game, as of right now, the there's no one ruled out yet for the game. I'm not sure on if Josh Jacobs is going to play. And I'm going to take, as of right now, I'm going to take the Chargers. And it's only because Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is playing like a top five quarterback. And... While Derek Carr has been performing very well, that Raiders offense and defense has been performing very well. I will also say that the Chargers defense has performed very well, played a very good game against the Cowboys. And I just, I'm going to trust the Raiders secondary to be able to stop the receiving core of the Raiders. And... No, I know we all got to deal with that tight end for the Raiders. I'm blanking on his name right now for some reason. Darren Waller. But I I think that the Raiders are going to fall to 3-1 in this game. And I could be wrong. The Raiders have played the Chargers very tight over the past couple of years. Last year, the Chargers won at home 30-27. to and the year before, of course, this was the year that they had Phillip Rivers still at quarterback. They lost 17-24. to I think that Justin Fields having another year under his belt, another year of experience for everyone on that offensive side of the Chargers just bodes very well for the Chargers playing at home. Even if it's not a real home game, I'm going to take the Chargers in that matchup. With that being said, we are going to take a short break. When we return, we will be finishing up by doing the closing segments of the episode. When we return after this. Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. 
and this is the final segment and it's not going to be the longest segment but we're just going to talk a little bit more about this Buccaneers Patriots matchup and some of the emotions that have been kind of brought up on regards to this game and certain questions that have been raised towards Bill Belichick towards Brady starting with Bill Belichick's question of would does he feel that he would have the same level of success if he never had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick answered with what I definitely believe and I'm sure a lot of us believe of the question should be answered with of of course not um he said there is no quarterback I would rather have than Tom Brady I was very lucky to have Tom and my whole thing around this is if you were so lucky to have Brady if you would not rather have anyone else besides Tom Brady why did you not let him in on more of the decision makings of the franchise why did you not let him recruit players because if you would have done that, you could have still had him. Granted, Tom's not going to be there forever, but as of right now, Tom has already said that he thinks he could potentially play until he's 50. 50 years old. Do y'all know how old Tom Brady is? Tom Brady is a whopping 44 years old. So six more years you could potentially see Brady if he decides to live up to that mark and play for six more years in the NFL. First of all, would be easily the oldest quarterback in NFL history. Second, by that time, he'd probably have another three Super Bowl rings, knowing him. My whole thing about this is I think this is a great ploy by Belichick to make Stir up some emotion from Brady. Make him feel good. Like, aw, he wishes he still had me. I'm, I'm the best he's ever had at quarterback. And quite frankly, he ha- he is. Because Bill Belichick, without Tom Brady, has a losing record. With Tom Brady, of course, has a winning record. Without Tom Brady, Bill Belichick would not be one of the top three all-time winningest head coaches. Brady consistently taking less money helped the Patriots win more games, more Super Bowls. And without that, there is no second wave of the Patriots dynasty. Another thing that I want to talk about with this game is... You know, it's crazy because Tom Brady will break the all-time passing record this week. Assuming he doesn't get injured in the first quarter, he's going to break it. He only needs 67 yards to tie it, 68 to break it. And how nuts is it that his entire career he spent with the Patriots leaves the Patriots wins another Super Bowl the first year 
Trubreeze retires and then his first time heading back to face the Patriots in New England, he has or he's gonna end up breaking the record. A record that he could he should have and occasionally did break while being a part of the Patriots. But this will officially make it to where he is the all time passing leader because Drew Brees isn't gonna be coming back. Although Saints fans probably want him back. He's not coming back. And because of that, Brady will be the all-time leader in passing yards. And he'll do it against the Patriots. Which is nuts. I that I wish it wasn't happening against the Patriots. Only because I feel like that's kind of a twisting the knife a little bit on Patriots fans. But that's just crazy that that's going to be happening. Adding to that, I'm going to add one final, very final note and say that there is still a small chance that the Patriots win this game. And that reason being the Buccaneers just traveled to LA and traveled back then to Tampa. Cross country, then back cross country. Then they're going up north. To face the Patriots. It's a lot of travel in under a week. It's less practice. It's less time to recover. That's the only reason that I could see the Patriots winning this game. With all that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave a five-star review on it. We will see you again next week, Wednesday. If you guys go out and drink, don't drive. Until next Wednesday. Have a great weekend. See ya.